Hello and welcome to the Second Row Recap Podcast. It's the quarterfinals in the Pro 14. My name is Park Kelly and as always I am joined by Oshin Collins. He's alive. Just about, really just about. You are there, you survived your mad stag weekend. Yeah, I'm even back in Galway from my trip to Wexford, so that's how much I've survived. That is pretty impressive stuff. Um, you make good time. I left early enough and I wasn't drinking, so I was completely legal and safe to drive. That's the disclaimer part done. What kind of, um, what kind of state did you leave the stag in? Uh, not good. Just <laughs> We'll leave it at that. So we'll kick off the recap of the matches with Munster and Edinburgh. And what looked like an incredibly gorgeous day in Limerick. Yeah, sunny day in Limerick, which is pretty rare and wonderful. Uh, the Munster game did not live up to the weather. I mean, managed to eke out a win, which is all that matters in a knockout game, but really made it hard on ourselves i didn't get i was i was watching in fits and starts and i caught the highlights so i went looking for the stats and like with only 40 percent possession and territory well it's less than the cheetahs had in their game and they got absolutely hammered like monster what was weird is monster seemed to be allergic to having the ball at the moment like they're the focus on the attack is all about build up a ruck and then kick the ball away and repeat yeah you made the edinburgh fullback look good with the amount of box kicks you did Oh, I mean, and the the chase was, you know, a little bit inconsistent. So some of the chases from, from Earls and Conway were really good, but sometimes it just wasn't there with the requisite amount of intensity. Yeah, so like you gave Kinghorn an easy day. Yeah, he had a great time, which is fine. But I mean, the worry is, you know, in theory, I get sometimes it's easier to play without the ball, but you do need to have a plan when you get it. And we don't seem to have much of a structured attack. I think JJ and Scanner looked particularly poor when they did get the ball. They weren't able to create a whole lot, so it just ended up inevitably going back to kicking the ball away. And that was one of your worries before the game with um, Keatley not playing. Yeah, I mean, when when the team list got announced, I kind of expected to see Ian Keatley starting. But I think what Van Hran is trying to do is give JJ a run of games to build his confidence. And like in theory, he's probably our best ball-playing 10, but you do have to give him the ball in order for him to do anything with it and then tell him that's the strategy. But to me, that's not exactly smart when you're in knockout rugby. Yeah, you kind of want to play percentages, but I don't know. It just seems like we're a little bit confused in terms of what we're trying to do. Like, again, managed to get the win in difficult enough circumstances because Edinburgh played a really strong game. Like, the couple of mistakes that they made, we completely capitalised on. Like an overthrow and a line-out, and Marshall just pulled it out of the sky and beat two players and powered over, Like that, which was a great individual try. And again, like, from from the individual on the pitch, a kind of a moment of classic Zebo magic. And that was literally why I called them as my one to watch. You know, that kick, collect and pass were just incredible. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are talking about the kick and the collect, but the pass was just phenomenal. I Like to me, I know it sounds really silly, but to me the pass was better than the kick because so flat and knowing he's going to get creamed the second that ball leaves his hands was incredible. And then who else but Earls would finish off that? absolutely like th- those two play in so in sync sometimes it was just phenomenal that he was positioned well and the little burst of acceleration to get away from the covering players as well oh. like Ear- earls was good earls was a highlight he had a couple of occasions where he both going forward but also tracking back in defense he was really strong yeah like he rocked like a jcb i'd call it lifting players off the ball no no questions asked exactly and he and that he's brought that to his game the last couple of years and he's just an invaluable member to any team he plays in like in a lot of ways, Edinburgh were actually unlucky to lose this game. Like they did everything that they could to win it. 
I know, like, if you look at the stats, they've made double the meters, double the clean breaks, and double the defenders beaten. If you if you only looked at the stats of this and you hadn't seen the scoreline, who do you think walks away with the win? Oh, Edinburgh, hands down. If you look at, like, Mata, like, how many meters did he make? He's just an incredible player. Yeah, he's a serious ball carrier. And, I mean, I think the difference is when Edinburgh had their hands on the ball, they were able to create space. I mean, they, they looked a lot more dangerous on the left wing where they had van der Merwe than they did on the right. Um, Fife didn't really get into the game the same way. But every time they swung the ball out left, like there was a couple of plays which started with a line-out on the halfway. And by the time the first phase turned into a ruck, they were at our 22. Like That's, that's a ludicrous amount of ground to give up. This is something you would not consider like a typical Edinburgh performance or a performance from a Cockrell team. No, Cockrell was awful funny. He was um, he was getting a good roasting from the crowd. Like obviously the Munster fans know him well from his time with Leicester. So there was uh, there was a bit of friendly banter going on between the crowd around him and the terraces. <laughs> it's nice to have those kind of little secondary stories going on at matches. Yeah, exactly. It was a bit of, a bit of a soap opera unfolding over my left shoulder. <laughs> like at the end of the day, Munster did grind out a win, and that is championship rugby. You have to grind out the win. Yeah, and it was championship players who stood up. Like Earls was good, Murray was good, and then kind of some of the you know the non-star players, if you want to put it that way. Like Jack O'Donoghue was really impressive at the breakdown. Uh, James Cronin won a couple of turnovers, and in general, put in a really good shift in the scrum. So we kind of just managed to keep Edinburgh at arm's length, like a like an awkward younger sibling. So tell me, my favourite section of every Munster match. Copeland watch. Uh, the usual mixed bag. So some decent carrying, but then in a couple of scrums, the ball flew out of the back. Um, so poor ball control there. Um, and the classic, you know, trademark Robin Copeland brainless moment where he was a mile offside going right at the ball, ref looking right at him. And I, I, I don't know how it wasn't a penalty. Um, like it could easily have been a yellow card, but the ball just disappeared out of the breakdown too quickly for him to get pinged. But you just, you kind of, you have to take, well, I mean, you have to take the good with the bad. We're done with that. Oh, lovely. Yeah. But like a couple of, couple of strengths to focus on for next week. Like when we do take the ball on and when we do hold on to it, we look decent. Um, Our contact work is monstrous. Like Sammy Arnold was hitting lads like they owed his mam money. Like it was unbelievable. And um, taking the ball into contact, there was one particular collision where CJ Stander knocked the uh, Edinburgh 10. I think he must have, driven him back onto his ass but then he he, the guy bounced another two feet on the ground (laughs) so like that's that's awesome like you love watching guys get sat down like that you have to say like watching the bits i saw there you weren't lacking for energy or flagging towards the end yeah which was a real concern at the end of last season i think we're, we're our game plan this year has been less about carrying ball in heavy traffic and you can tell from the players conditioning they're they're in better shape than they were this time last year you know, you still need to see more intensity. And I mean, I think you need to see more variety in the game plan. We need to hold on to the ball and we just need a little bit more composure again. But if we can manage that, then we should be able to, to get a better outcome for this season, you know? You seem to have shied away from the old monster game plan of at least like keeping the ball and making sure your pack are just battering people to make space for the backs, you know? Yeah, we're, we're trying to go straight to, you know, we're either kicking the ball away or we're, we're not what's it, earning the right to go wide, but like we're not building that forward dominance and building a platform before we try and convert it into points. Definitely. And your tackle completion is awful. Oh, Eighty was that? 38 missed tackles. Cheetahs didn't even have that many. Yeah, I know. I, I, some of the comparison between the two quarterfinals is just really scary stuff. 
Um, and the other thing, our, our set piece in the last three weeks seems to be falling apart after having been the bedrock of the team all season. That is video, video and video analysis, I'd say. But at least you have Peter O'Mahony. <laughs> yeah, thank God for thank God for Saint Peter. You have to say his intervention in that last line out won need a match. Oh, hundred percent, because Edinburgh could comfortably have gone and scored points off that. Like and they looked likely to. Got away with that one. Yeah. So a couple of things to do if Munster are gonna have any hope in a semi final against Leinster. Um we probably need to settle on a starting fly half, whether that's JJ or Keatley, and just hope, like cross fingers, toes other people's fingers and toes um really just just back one horse and and hope it comes off um, and and start quicker again i mean i know monster got the try from marsha but that was from a mistake we weren't generating anything really until you know at least a half an hour in before we woke up and started to to use the ball and really the two main talking point tries were came from edinburgh mistakes that wasn't monster pressure or monster good play I mean, good good that we're able to capitalise on them and score points out of them, but we need to be able to create something, and that requires more variety in attack. But it probably requires a bit more confidence from our, our playmakers at, at 10 and 12. Definitely. And like I, I actually have a bone of contention to pick with Munster at the moment. Okay. This season, it's seven years since your last silverware. Yes. How on earth is there that much empty space in Thoman Park for quarterfinal? Uh, yeah, I figured this was coming. Um... Like I don't know whether it's because if you're if you were watching the other um the other quarter final as well, Scarlets had a relatively poor turnout. I think in both of the quarters, like the end terraces were empty, the stands weren't weren't in the least bit full, which is really strange for for Thoman Park. I mean, and you, we were chatting in the preview, and you reckoned you know it's going to be a sellout, it's going to be huge, and I was kind of humming and hawing. It. it whether people have just dipped into the pocket too much, whether there was a lot of people traveled to Bordeaux and you imagine that's a factor. I don't know. It's a tough call, but it is weird to see a stadium empty. Yeah, the diehards, I think, of Munster will always go to every game. You know, I just think, is it time that this best fans in the world moniker is just kind of, not thrown to the wayside, but like, stop beating people on the head with it because it's just not true? Like, I've I've been on some incredible away trips with Munster, and for me... The, the terraces are a really good place at Thomond and when it's a full crowd at a European game uh, like part of it is that that link to Europe like I think Munster in Europe are absolutely the best fans going um, I, I don't know whether it's that we've decided that the Pro 14 isn't the same calibre of competition and it doesn't require the same level of support um, but it looks like we're uh, there's going to have to be an asterisk on that best fans in the world thing if we show up with crowds like that to Pro 14 games. Yeah, like, and you'd say something if, like, to be honest, if you'd won the championship the last four years in a row, you go, okay, grand. But, like, you have, you're not exactly a successful team in recent history. Way to kick a guy when he's down. Thanks, Park. Hey, I have at least another couple of weeks and I can keep batting people over the head that can't have the most recent team in Ireland to win silverware. <laughs> All right, look, you make hay while the sun shines, right? <laughs> uh, speaking of another team still in the hunt for silverware, um, the other quarterfinal, Scarlets and Cheetahs, was rather more one-sided than I had hoped. Uh, than I had hoped? I was expecting a great game. <laughs> yeah, um, this was about as dominant a performance over the Cheetahs as Leinster were against the Scarlets uh, like a couple of weeks ago. They had so much quick, clean rock ball all day. 
the pack was completely dominant. They they just did whatever they wanted. And in particular, like if you look at the first half, they just squeezed the life out of the cheetahs. Like and Patchell at ten controlled the game so well. Is that right? I saw I like check the stats again. Seventeen percent territory in that first half. Yeah, absolutely. Like they were just they, they had the leather kicked off at every time that they broke any kind of poor ball that they gave away, Patchell just stuck them back in their twenty two. And I mean, they didn't have much possession either to beat that. Like, and that's why it's in the preview. Just pin Cheetahs back. They're not going to break from there all the time. So you will win that way. That's two predictions you've got right. Well done. You know what's going to happen and I have no idea. Hey, look, I won money at the horses on the weekend. So I've, I think I should just like do the lotto numbers. <laughs> yeah, this is it. You now actually have like a, a legitimate career out of this. Good man. <laughs> um I'll tell you what else was weird. Like the Cheetahs who are normally like, remember we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about their offload game and the fact that they throw these kind of floated offloads and their handling is really good. They were just, they were a half a second off the passes that they needed and balls that would normally stick just weren't sticking. Would you think that's like the reverse of teams going up there? I was looking, they haven't played in the Northern Hemisphere in six weeks now. And I think that was only for one game. It probably It's probably February before they did a decent run down here. Yeah, possibly. Like, I mean, the ball does travel differently, even passing from hand to hand. You'd wonder, is that a factor that just brought the error rate just up a tiny bit? And they haven't quite been over long enough to acclimatise. Possibly the case. So what's the story with the half Penny and Gareth Davies? Yeah, so the two guys went off injured um, either side of half time, but the commentator on S4C was having a chat with the Scarlet's bench and they reckon the two of them are going to be back fit for Glasgow. It was just that they, they kind of nearly a precautionary measure. Oh, that's not too bad, so... I kind of feel Scarlet's going to Glasgow at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, they're just, they're on form. They've timed their run really well, whereas Glasgow, you know, can't buy a win at the moment. That's for sure. And Steph Evans seems to have found some form again. That try before half time. Uh, it was like the Zebo one. It was just individual magic. Like, I watched this game. My first watch of this game was kind of coming back from the pub last night. And my notes say Steph Evans, you sexy animal, sidesteps everyone. Everyone is in capital letters. Kick through. Unreal. Unreal is not spelled correctly. I think we should do a podcast drunk and see what happens. Just saying. Oh God. I don't. I don't. I, that might be where that old explicit tag comes back in. Fair enough. <laughs> um, no, he was brilliant. I mean, I think he, he stepped about four players and then grubbered it through, regathered it to score. It was an absolute belter of a try. From what it seems, the second half was a bit more looser, though. Yeah, I mean, the game was over at that point. I mean, 17 minutes in and the, the Scarlets are 17 points to nil up. And you could tell the cheaters just could see this game slipping away from them. Um, then within 15 minutes in the second half, there was another three tries for the Scarlets. Like the first one was just a really well-worked backline move with um, with a really good offload from Scott Williams to put um, Tom Pridey away. And then the pack just drove over for a second one. And then the scrum half, the sub-scrum half, um, a little cheeky blindside snipe from him to get the third. It was game over at that point. The cheetahs were just wiped off the board. It's, and like it's kind of fitting that Blumcheese, who's going to be in Scarlet's next season, scored the final try. Yeah, and I mean he was the best of a poor bunch. It's funny he he had a brilliant break off kick transition just previously, which got ruled out. Um, the TMO a judge that Tom Pridey had been interfered with, which I thought was a bit sketchy because you could see that he'd clearly grabbed the cheetahs player who they were claiming grabbed him, so it got um it got chalked off. But uh, now Blomcheese was good, and I mean he was, he was pretty enterprising the whole way from start to finish, which wasn't the only drama in the closing stages. Reese Patchell managed to get himself yellow carded, which was just one of the dumber moments that I've seen him play, like just red mist, you know, 
There's a nickname for him. Um, <laughs> but like at the end, at, at like at the final whistle, a nice moment for the departing players who got their big ovation from the crowd. You know, Barkley, Burns, Scott Williams, all moving on. Yeah, they all they all came off. Um, they were all subbed off during the second half, and there was some really really good feedback from the crowd. That's brilliant. Like what Williams been there for eleven years? More than a decade with the same club, and he's off to uh, arch rivals the Ospreys from next season. So nice that they're still giving him cheers as he's going out the door. <laughs> So tell me, what do you think Scarlett's strengths are from that? So, I mean, form is one. I mean, they really are hitting their stride at the right time. Like, a little too late to make a dent into Europe. But in terms of the Pro 14 run-in and defending their title there, like, they've really timed it well. Um, The other big one would be uh, luck. Huh? Now, hear me out. Okay, so normally in these kind of 50-50 calls, they go 50-50 when you're trying to hold on to the ball or when a pass could bobble and it doesn't. Like the Scarlets seem to be able to hold onto the ball in situations where you'd expect they'd lose it at least some of the time. So there was a couple of occasions so they were getting battered back and losing yardage in the tackle or they didn't have enough players at the breakdown. And like they just ended up holding onto the ball when you expect them to lose it. So what you're saying is their ball protection and rock work is excellent on an individual basis. Well, like yeah, but it's also... Shut up. Yes, fine. <laughs> On the flip side of that, though, their strength to depth is an issue. Yeah, they they don't they can't go too deep into the roster without the quality dropping off fairly substantially, which is a concern. You'd hope now with the extra couple of million each club's going to get that each team in the Pro 14 will strengthen up a small bit. Yeah, exactly. And just, just tighten up so that they do have a little bit more ability that when they rotate, you don't see it go off of a cliff. I mean, it's all very well and good relying on young players and bringing them through, but you do need a core of quality in order to do that. True. And place kicking. Uh, so, I mean, uh, the stats are a little bit misleading on this one. Halfpenny will be back, number one. Uh, and the couple that Reese missed were right on the touchline. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. It's not a liability. I forgot Halfpenny went off. There we go. That kind of makes sense. So I guess, I mean, the focus for the guys over the next couple of weeks is, number one, keep everybody fit. So kid gloves on in training, I think. Um, and I would start Patchell at 10 again. I mean, you could tell when Dan Jones came on, he was able to offer another dimension to the Scarlet's attack, which is great. But in terms of like shutting the cheetahs down, which they did in the first half, a lot of that was being driven from fly half. So Patchell at 10 for, for the Glasgow match, for sure. True. And his passing is just incredible. Like he has a great yeah, flat pass. He's got a wicked pass. Which is perfect for Scarlet's attack. Yep. So the other thing to watch out for this weekend was... France and England and the hope that Ulster would get through to Europe without needing a playoff but that sadly wasn't to happen <laughs> yeah the Ulster Aka <laughs> so Gloucester got barred by Saris but Sale lost at home to Leicester so the English results kind of went their way yeah so you you had three in at that stage and all we needed was Poe who beat Talon actually but they were relying on other results which didn't come through and you know typical Top 14, all the home teams won. Yeah, I mean, Ulster must have been there crossing their fingers. All they needed was any one of about four or five French teams to get turned over. And not every single one of them went out and got a home win in the last game of the season. Oh, sorry, sorry. They only needed four or five French teams to win. You know. No, <laughs> any one of four or five. <laughs> any one of them. <laughs> it's not quite that unlikely. So, on to our last bit of the pod. The top performer and clown of the round. So both of these coming from the Scarlet's Cheetahs game this week. Uh, who's our top performer, Park? Uh, Scott Williams is our top performer. He looked really powerful taking ball into contact. Some lovely subtle touches as well. Kicked nicely. Good passing of both hands and a fabulous offload for Pridey's try. Yeah, coming from a Reds player. A bit of a hammer and sickle approach from him. Seriously, communism jokes. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> for the political rugby uh, fans. <laughs> um, honorable mention for Keith Earls in the Munster game, to be fair, who was absolutely class, as always. Yeah, he's a bona fide guaranteed international starter and on that plane to Australia. Has to be. I mean, I think he's a core part of that team at this stage. Yeah. You know? And he should be if he's not. So tell me, have you picked someone for clowned around? So unfortunately, I've got two players who have to share it this week um, for completing exactly the same stupid manoeuvre mere seconds apart. So uh, Reniel Hugo and I think it's Sivali Maxwani, both of them uh, chasing kick-throughs, managed to knock the ball in under zero pressure in the dead ball area. And like the game was lost at that point, but come on, like the two of them looked like an absolute pair of idiots. Um, what was really funny though was the reaction. So Hugo just kind of lay back in the ground and was like, "Please let no one have seen that. Please let no one have seen it." Um, and Max Wane was thrashing around in the ground like an angry toddler, which was equally funny. Like, and I know this might sound silly, but if you're a cheetah's fan and you see them reacting so emotively to something like that in the 80 plus minute that's a good sign that they are still fighting for something at that late stage even if it's a bit of pride it was hilarious but yeah it is it's better than kind of going meh yeah <laughs> oh no my drop a ball that's impossible <laughs> right so that's us for this week and in the absence of pro 14 rugby next weekend we'll be releasing a champions cup preview for leinster versus racing 92 next thursday evening so reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That's 2ND, not the word second. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to get every episode delivered immediately. And we'd really appreciate if you can tell a friend. So until next time, goodbye and thank you for listening. Take care.